Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to I Hate the Fins. This is podcast number 23 for us with the uh, the Finsider Radio Podcast Network. Pleased to be with you. My name is Keith. My co-host, Zach, will be on in a moment. Uh, it's Draft Eve. <clears throat> I think that's what they call it. Uh, the NFL draft is tomorrow night. Kind of snuck up on on me. I don't know about you guys. And then at the same time, I'm so ready to be done with a lot of the conversations that have been up the past couple of months. So uh, bad news. I can't watch the draft tomorrow night because it's my wife's birthday. So we have to go out and do things. So we have a daughter now. This is my first NFL draft with um an actual like tiny thing living in my house. So that kind of adds to it. I, I have plans to get together with friends and watch Friday night rounds two and three, which are the money rounds anyway. That's the. In the second round, you're talking about the first round talent that fell out. So you're technically you're getting maybe getting a first round pick in the second round, and then so on and so forth. Maybe you're getting a, a guy who slides a little bit. Maybe you can grab him in the third round. So <clears throat> it's going to be an exciting weekend, I think. Probably one of the more mysterious ones I can remember in a while. I think I, it's easy to say that every year, I guess, but there are some big questions going on with with this year's class and how things will shake out. Zach, <clears throat> let's just start because we were making fun of NFL Network and their burning questions that were, in in fact, not burning questions. Do you think that all this thing, all this talk right now about Kyler Murray, will he go number one? Will he not go number one? Is it BS? Is he going to be the first pick tomorrow night? Yeah, he, uh, I'm pretty positive. I'm going to say like, like 94% to like 6% that he is going to be the first pick. And this is all just Steve kind being a drunk and stirring stuff up because he's a trash GM um, and kind of backpedaling <laughs> on like, Oh, I kind of ruined Rosen's value if I want to trade him. And then like now that he hasn't traded him in time, it's like, Oh, other people that wanted a quarterback at one point probably just don't draft one now. So we're going to get stuck with him. Um, so yeah, Kime's just a, a terrible drunk of a GM. He um he's putting it out there like he's waffling, but I mean it's a fair question to ask just because maybe he's stupid enough where he thinks he could pull this off. But he pretty much has to take Kyler Murray, doesn't he? After the whole kind of whitewash he's given Josh Rose in the past three months. I mean, th- there's no coming back from that in my opinion, especially not with a guy like Rosen. Well, it depends on how many times he's watched draft day leading up to uh the draft here and and if he found out that nobody went to kyler's 21st birthday party um that's all i can remember from that movie oh, i don't even i don't even remember enough from that movie to continue a full joke don't say that because i want to make so many comments from that movie like, bo callahan <laughs> congratulations you're about to become a very happy man bo callahan some of my finest work uh, what what an insight into the world of the NFL draft. Nothing closer people. than that movie. 
Uh, just so many things there. First of all, the number one, like the highly touted quarterback prospect coming out of the University of Wisconsin, which would never happen because I remember they got a four star prospect um, a couple of months ago and Madison almost shut down over it. They were so happy. Like they just do not get highly, highly touted quarterbacks in there. And then Sam Elliott is the coach of University of Wisconsin. He's Bo Callahan's coach there. So. That movie is, I saw it for the first time, I'm trying to think how long ago this was, probably about three years ago, and I had so many takeaways, like, man, that phone case that, uh, oh, what's his name, so-so no matter what, I haven't watched this movie in a while, uh, the guy who goes first. I, I, don't, I don't remember anything, I do not remember anything whatsoever from that it'll movie. Come, it'll come to me. I'm just embarrassing myself right now because I haven't watched this movie in a while. But the the name Bo Callahan and Sam Elliott stand out to me. I mean, there's some parts in there. I mean, the, the movie is obviously incredibly ridiculous in the way like he just turns around and just essentially takes uh, the the GM who totally douses him early in the movie and pretty much just pulls his arm behind his back in a chicken wing like fashion at the end of the movie and gets pretty much everything back that he lost earlier in the movie. If that happened in real life, a team's fan base would riot. Train going by. Got it. Vontae Mack is his name in the movie. Yeah. I don't know why. It, 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 I don't know why it just took a second for that to, because I kept thinking my friend always makes a joke where it's, uh, you know, so-and-so no matter what. I'm like, God, what is his name? Vontae Mack, no matter what. So, yeah, and he's got that phone case, and it looks like brass knuckles. Remember? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that now. Oh, what a terrible thinking, movie. Oh, man. Just so much <sighs> going on The only thing it's missing there. is Nick Cage. Yeah, I'm surprised. He's usually good for playing uh, some sort of, like, washed-up drunk in a sports movie. You remember, like, he's uh, in Blue Chips, North Dallas yep. 40, which is, like, 40 years old now. North Dallas 40 is 40. So... A lot of great football movies out there. I hope people who who listen to this show, all six of you, I hope you guys go out and actually like watch some of the the famous football films that have been made over the past. We'll say what forty five years. We'll start with uh, the longest yard, yeah. which is seventy four. There's yep. a, and I mean draft day. Draft day is ridiculous. And if you're a fan of the draft, but you're able to suspend your beliefs about certain things, go ahead and watch the movie. You'll enjoy it. It's it's funny. You'll be amused by the thought of Dennis Leary coaching the Cleveland Browns. You'll be amused by the fact that Kevin Costner is the general manager for the Cleveland Browns. Jennifer Gardner's in there. I think she's the owner's daughter. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, oh man, I'm just kind of just praying that I remember certain things about that film. But yeah, Vontae Mack and then the whole Bo Callahan thing. I, I actually, I just realized I kind of played spoiler alert. They're mentioning certain things in the film. I think Arian Foster plays a character, doesn't he? Isn't he like the running back who's in the draft? Oh, I do not remember that at all. I, I'm, no. I'm telling you, I do not remember this movie. Like, I tried to black out as much as possible from my brain. Well, all right, we don't have to get too much into it. Watch football movies. North Dallas 40, which is kind of ridiculous, but also kind of amusing. The Longest Yard. Um... The Last Boy Scout, which really is kind of like the anti-football movie when you think about it, but still kind of funny. Um, Wildcats, which is Goldie Hawn coaching a team. Uh, I think it's also like one of Wesley Snipes' first movies. 
So we could have a totally different discussion about that. And we probably will. Because I actually think that football and cinema is a fascinating thing. I think sports and cinema is actually a pretty great thing. And sometimes it's it's not so good. Sometimes you'll get a movie that's an absolute metric trash. I mean, that will happen. But sometimes you'll get something that's that's um almost like awesomely bad. I remember that was a, a phrase about 15 years ago. It's awesomely bad. It sucks, but it's so bad that it's actually kind of cool. So, all right. So we think Kyler, I agree with you. I think Kyler's going to go number one. I don't see any way um, how Arizona can go about rehabilitating the situation with Josh Rosen. It would be so Cardinals, though, and so Steve Kime to just say, like, just kidding. All This whole dalliance we had going with Kyler Murray, we didn't mean it. Cliff Kingsbury is committed to Josh Rosen. Can you imagine that? That'd be terrible. That would be, I would feel so bad for Rosen. That would kind of be like when um, Ross pursued Harbaugh on the plane. And then yeah, got rejected, and then gave uh, Sperano the extension, and that whole that whole press conference was just oh, oh man, just Painful. all kinds, all kinds of cringe subreddit, cringe subreddit. Um. So okay, I agree with that. The other thing I want to bring up: how high is that Oliver going to go here? Because the rumor right now is he might go ahead of Quinn and Williams. Uh I, I don't. I don't think he is at the end of the day. Um, as much as I love Ed Oliver, um, I don't think teams have their boards where he's higher than Quinn and Williams. Um, and I see very little scenarios where there's a situation that he is a better fit for a team than Quinn and Williams because Quinn and Williams can play every position on that defensive line. Um, so at the end of the day, I really struggle to see him going before Quinn and Williams. I think, I think probably you'll see him end up in, um, in New York to the Giants or something in that area. I think his his worst case scenario is probably Buffalo at nine, uh, but I don't think he gets out of the top ten. You think Quinn is uh, going to be playing for um, your buddy's team? Yeah, yeah, I think, well, I mean, that the Jets pick all hinges on how crazy Dan Snyder is, um, and Dan Snyder's... And he's insane. Pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, he, he's, he's a madman, um, you know, so um, at the end of the day, if he decides to, to sell the farm again for a quarterback, Jets might not be picking at three, um, you know, I... It's so hard to tell what's going to happen with this quarterback class just because you feel like they could just go at natural places and you don't need to trade up for them. But people get way too quarterback antsy, so you'll see people pull the trigger and hop all over the place. How easy is it to imagine Daniel Snyder at team headquarters and like the shades are drawn and he's just pacing back and forth just (laughs) the whole time? Just the kind of madness that comes out of it. Like, what what is this guy going to do? Who, yeah, I mean, who is he going to give eleven billion dollars to on the on the free agent market? Yeah, and I mean that's the the conversation all day today at least has been like, yeah, Dan Snyder is like the most prominent person in that room, and then you go down the list from there, and uh, Jay Gruden's just like sitting in the corner all by himself. They give him like a bag of like fruit snacks to snack on while he's <laughs> hanging out. But <laughs> it honestly. What it feels like is remember when uh, the Pats in 84 took um, uh, Eason 
And uh, who was our coach? Roy. Oh, uh, oh, in 83. 83, yeah, yeah, for, for 84. Yeah. Um, what they was the... his name? Roy? Oh, the, the guy from uh, SMU. Yeah, yeah, he was the head coach at that point for the Pats. And, like, I remember it came out later that, like, he was like, I didn't, I didn't want Eason. And they just took Eason, so that was the quarterback that I had. I, I feel like that's, like, Jay Gruden. It's just like, hey, hey guys, this is the quarterback that I shut up, Jay. This is who we're taking. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I love the the idea about the the fruit snacks. He's over there drinking a Mondo the whole time. Yeah, and just like go ahead. You just got a bunch of uh, YooHoo boxes in front of him. So okay, let's see here. I'm just trying to think through it now. All right, Quinn and Williams, we think is going to go play for Jets dudes team. We wonder what um Dan Snyder is going to do to the draft because I mean the all preliminary indications suggest that he's he's in it to win it he's going to do something so yeah I mean we'll we'll see I think I think another interesting question is you have a a bunch of teams in the back end of the first round that have two picks you know um you got the Raiders with a couple picks there now you, you have Seattle with a couple picks there um and even a few teams that don't have extra picks in the first round, but have some extra second round picks like Houston. Um, and, you know, maybe Green Bay decides they don't want to hang tight at that pick 30. Um, heck, even the Pats, uh, they got extra second round picks. Those are going to be the interesting teams that kind of, I think, add some life to picks potentially nine through 16, 17, 18. Um, I think those are teams that you're, you're going to see make a move potentially tomorrow to go get guys that they really want instead of hanging tight. Ron Meyer is that guy's name. Meyer, you're a hundred percent right. I just think because he kind of looked like a used car salesman, but he was like a really like charismatic guy. Yeah. He didn't want, he didn't want Tony Eason. He said that during, um, from Elway to Marino, he had some really good inter- interview spots in there. Fun fact, Jacob Eason who played for Georgia now is at Washington. His father is Tony Eason but not that Tony Eason. Mm. Probably a good thing. Uh, Tony Eason yeah. definitely took a beating in his career. Oh, and then like when he, when he was sharing snaps with uh, Steve Grogan in New England. So, okay. Um, I hate to do it to you. You want to do a mock draft? Yeah. Yeah, we can do it. We don't have to do a full one. You'll, you'll spare me of that. Hopefully. No, we're just going to do up to the dolphins. We don't care about anyone after that. Exactly. So, um, okay. Let's see here. This is gonna. De- so, do you want to do it? Do you want to do it every other, or do you want to do a uh, consensus slash? I'd take this guy. You would take this guy at the same pick. Just con- compare and contrast. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that because so then we both get to handle the Dolphins pick. So we don't have to surrender that. We don't have to get into Cobra surrender over that. All right. So we could skip one, right, Murray? Well, I mean, technically we made the pick, so I mean we didn't even skip it. Yeah. Steve Keim gets yeah. his man for the second straight year after they traded up for Josh Rosen. I just want to make fun of them one more time for that. Uh, so what a drunk. Um, yeah, that guy. Uh, he is something. He's kind of. He's got like a John Daly thing going, doesn't he? Yeah. That's what, what he reminds uh, me of. Without the mullet, obviously, but when he talks and everything, I'm. <laughs> he reminds me of John Daly a lot. Okay. Uh, number two, the San Francisco 49ers. Is this going to be consensus? Yeah, I think at the end of the day. Um, it's going to be Bosa. I think 
I think Quinn and Williams would be a better fit and make more sense for them. Um, but I think it ends up being Bosa. And can you imagine the fourth uh, defensive lineman for them? Because, I mean, technically, all the guys yeah. that were taken there for a while were a faux five techniques. I think they're back to playing a 4-3, though, if I recall correctly. So Yeah, I think they're doing, like, uh, uh, one of those Patriots 4-3, like, over-under kind yeah, of things. Yeah, and then they, there's a lot of flexibility in there, too. So it's not so much a, a size mold thing. I'm with I, with you. Uh, Nick Bose is ready. He, he uh, deleted his history on Twitter. So we're good. New York Jets, number three, consensus? Yeah, I mean, if, if they stick at three, um, I think they go Quinn and Williams just because, just go BPA. Um, don't don't screw with it. Don't mess with it. Um, but, I mean, it's it, if I was a scout for them that really liked Josh Allen, I would pound the table and be like, we haven't had a pass rusher since Calvin Pace. So Right. Okay. So I can only assume that this is where where things really start to uh, get interesting. That's at pick four, the Raiders. Speak, mm-hmm. You know, uh, before before there was Dan Snyder, there was the Oakland Raiders slash Los Angeles Raiders. <sighs> what do you think? Or do you want me to go first? You can go first. That's fine. All right. I've got the upset pick here. I think they're going to take a quarterback at that spot. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think they could. Um, I think it... I don't know what the true dynamic is between draft dad and uh, Chucky. Um, So if Chucky is pulling the strings, I I think it could really, really be a quarterback. Um, I don't think he loves David Carr. Uh, But if Mayock is, is the one that's making the final call, I think he'll go defense. Just again, he's, if there's anybody that's a BPA person, it is him and they have no pass rusher. So, um, at that point, I would think Josh Allen, but I, I could get behind Quinn and, or not Quinn Williams, Dwayne Haskins there. So here's my, here's my logic there. Uh, most teams, when you're starting over a regime, like Draft Ad is doing with the Oakland Raiders and more or less John Gruden as well, uh, you want to get as inexpensive at the key positions as you can. And by that, I mean rookie contracts at critical spots. You're seeing the Bears are doing it with Mitchell Trubisky right now. Uh, the Chiefs have it going with uh, Mahomes. I mean, it's a thing where when you're paying your quarterback uh, stupid low rookie money, it opens everything up for you. So I think they're probably going to try to get on that train. I don't know that it's at the spot. Granted, they have a gazillion picks in this in this uh, first round, so it doesn't have to be here. But I do think that Dwayne Haskins is getting, for some reason, just... Something about his game, I think, speaks to to Chucky. So, I mean, total yeah. punch. And, like, you know, what do I know when, when it's really all said and done? I'm just another guy just making stuff up. But for some yeah, reason, and I mean, it just... You, it you can make that... Yeah, you can make that same argument about a, a pass rusher, too, because those guys get paid stupid money as well. Not quarterback money, but pretty big money. Um, so, again, I just... I don't know the dynamic of who's actually calling in the pick at the end of the day. Yeah. What are the chances that those two already hate each other? Um, I think that Mayock would probably be like, I hate this guy. I will do what I need to do. Be professional. Um, stamp my name on the things that I want to stamp my name on and then stay away from whatever I don't sign off on. Um, but I don't think 
Gruden has the capability to hate, hate anyone. I don't know if he has that like capacity. You know what I'm saying? I think he's just like a hundred percent all the time. And like, if you ain't on the train, it's okay, but I'm just going to keep on going. I think that, um, I think that honeymoon is going to sour quick if it hasn't already. Just those are two very different personalities. Yeah. Mayak is more or less pragmatic. And uh, John Gruden's never met a quarterback prospect he didn't like as long as the guy's not already on his roster. So, yeah, it's it's destined to absolutely blow up. It's going to be delightful when it does. And, you know, it's going to be visible. There's not going to be much left unsaid or um, um, covert about that. So anyway, that's just me talking. So I'm going to take Haskins. You're going to take Josh Allen. Yep, that's where I would go. I think it's got to be one of those two guys. I mean, Josh Allen is the logical yeah. pick there because Josh Allen is a stupid good talent. And my favorite pass rusher in this draft, which I mean is kind of like a master of the obvious statement. He's just really good. All right. Um, I have a feeling we might be consensus on this one. Tampa at five. Um, I think this is another spot where if you haven't seen a that second quarterback go um, and the Jets stand pat, pick a person and... Uh, Raiders stand pat, pick a uh, defensive lineman there as well. Uh, I think that Tampa could slide out of this for more picks, uh, potentially even build up their arsenal to take a quarterback in 2020 if they decide Jameis' experiment is over. Which um, it needs to be. But if they stand pat, yeah. But if they stand pat here and pick, I think it's got to be Devin White. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the only way that doesn't happen is if Josh Allen is on the board. So I'm going to take Josh Allen there. I'm just kind of... I'm living in like alternate, alternate reality here. It's like in Back to the Future Two, and they have alternate <laughs> 1985, and Biff owns that casino, and it's just like one giant, Ugh. one giant wasteland. So, uh. Josh Allen. Okay, so this is where if things aren't already interesting, they are now. Giants yep. six. What do you think? Honestly, I think they are not going to take a quarterback here. Um, I think Gettleman thinks he's going to be sneaky and their guy is Daniel Jones, which is going to be hilarious. Um, <laughs> not for Giants fans, I don't, I don't think. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Well, sorry. Um, I, I can't do anything about it. If I could, I would. I promise I would. I don't want anybody to experience that you pain. You would yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, uh, I mean, like, how could you pass on taking a guy like Ed Oliver here? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just too good of a player to pass at this point, at least in my eyes. I can't disagree with that logic. I do think that Ed Oliver makes perfect sense here. So I'm going to take him there, too, because I, I had it between two guys and then you made that case. I was like, yeah, you're right. So uh, who's who's the other one you're thinking of? Devin White. But the thing is, yeah. the the yeah. Giants have a history of not taking linebacker or um, conventional linebackers in the first round. So yeah, yeah, and I and I mean I I think they have the even through multiple GMs. I think their their idea has always been if we build the front four the right way, you can get by without good linebackers. Which I agree with building up the front four the right way. I'm not a big fan of skimping on the linebacker position. On but, linebackers, but I get it. Yep. They look at it added as sequential like a dependent variable so i get it all right um yeah jaguars number seven uh ugliest uh, i think it's the ugliest pick in the top 10 because like if you go back through their roster you're like how are you this bad um and unfortunately i think that falls on blake bortles but i also don't think doug marone's that good of a coach um so at the end of the day you know, those pieces will get you here. Um, and this is also kind of a weird pick, too. Um, it depends on if they are going to try to help Nick Foles and give him the pieces that he succeeded with in Philadelphia. Um, but at the end of the day, two of the major pieces that he succeeded with in Philadelphia, he doesn't have in Jacksonville right now. One of them is a tight end. And then the other one is two bookend tackles, which they don't have. And Cam Robinson, he's at that point where I'd be considering, like, we need a left tackle to give Cam a shot on the right side because he he hasn't done that hot. He he hasn't been bad, but at the same time, he hasn't become a true, true left tackle. I don't think he was. Um, a, I don't think he was a true left tackle in Alabama. And a lot of people had that, had that expectation. No, he didn't have the feet. The weird thing about him is he was beaten a ton at Alabama but his recovery uh, on plays where he's beaten was outstanding too so I mean like he was able to blur a lot of edges with that but you know I don't I don't think he's I think he kind of falls into the mold of so many guys who have come out of Alabama where it's like oh yeah he's a left tackle prospect and then it turns out he's not so I think I think Cam is can't yeah Cam is a little too heavy footed for for my taste on the left side but at the same time, I don't think there is a true, true left tackle in this class. 
I think they're all guys that could play left tackle if you needed them to, or would be great right tackles um, because half of them play at right tackle in the first place. Um, So I think if you're going to take a left tackle, it has to be Jonah Williams. And I don't think teams see him in that light. Um, So at the end of the day, I think this is where Hawkinson goes. Okay. That's become a popular pick too. And I mean, like, because yeah. he's the total package at that position. So, yeah. The thing about, so here's what I have going on, because Jonah Williams, in my opinion, reminds me a lot of, it, well, I see a lot in him. Like, like, you remember, like, when David Deal was playing for the Giants. And I mean, like, I can see, like, that kind of unsexy, but just, like, a really good, reliable guy on the left side. And Jonah Williams kind of reminds me of that. But at this spot, I think you you go biggest bang for the buck. And I think you can get some some comparable talent in terms of what you're looking for on the offensive line, especially if you're not sold on Cam Robinson. So I, I think that it is TJ Hawkinson here because he, in terms of tight end prospects, I mean, you're not going to see many people who are better suited for the NFL game than him. I mean, he does everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. Okay. So, yeah, so I copped out on that one, but it just, I can't go against logic on that one. <clears throat> we're not, we're like the anti NFL network. We're not trying to make waves here. You're saying ridiculous things. All the burning questions that we have. All right, uh, Detroit <laughs> at eight. Uh, for Detroit, I think this is the first big trade out spot. Um, I feel like Detroit's needs, they, they feel like they could use a pass rusher and there's guys available. They feel like they could use some more offensive line, but I don't I don't know if they need need a tackle. Um, you know, so I think this is a spot where I think you could see them trade out with an offensive line or edge team like Carolina. Um, you could see Seattle potentially even come up this far if they're willing to unload both picks for a guy that they really like. Yeah, they got um, the ammo. Yeah, yeah. So this this is a really tough pick for me because I still have them lined up for a defensive lineman. Um, and I think to to match, they can either complement what they have uh, with getting um, flowers and go Brian Burns here, or they can double down on guys that are versatile um, outside in players and go with Rashawn Gary. Um, this is higher than I have him ranked, but it's not about where I have him ranked, where I think he'll go. Um, and with some of the stuff coming out about him, I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to go Brian Burns here. Okay. That's a strong pick. I'm going to actually, Devin White, I still have on the board moving and oh, I don't, true. and I don't think that'll have it. And I think that he would, he wouldn't fall any further than um, Detroit. So that's, Obviously, that's predicated on the Raiders doing Raider things, but or Daniel Snyder trading up and doing Daniel Snyder things. So, yep, plenty of options. Yep. Okay. Um, Buffalo, pick nine. Buffalo. Buffalo is another team where they have some nice pieces and stuff. I think. I think for sex appeal, they're hoping that Hawkinson makes it here because um, they don't have any tight ends. Their their tight ends look like the Dolphins' defensive ends right now. Nice. They ain't got nobody. They Bro. just they just don't exist. Um, but so then I think since Hawkinson's not going to make it there, I don't 
think they're going to go the Fant route. Um, I think it's a possibility, which would be wild to see two tight ends from the same school go in the top 10. Um, think about that. It's yeah. crazy enough when you see two players from the same school go in the top 10. It's nuts when you see it's almost like unfathomable to imagine two tight ends going in the top 10 and then two tight ends from the same school going in the top 10. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a wild. If if you wanted to throw out a good draft hot take, saying they both go in the top 10, that'd be a really good one, I think. Because I think there's a chance that it happens, um, but it's less likely. Um, but back to the, the Bills pick, since I don't think they'll go Fant. Um, I think they go tackle here. The question is, what do they think about Deion Dawkins? Do they think he'll he'll rebound and he'll become at least a solid left tackle? So that means that they can either really invest in a really good right tackle or do they need to invest in a guy that, you know, play him at right tackle this year and if Dawkins doesn't pan out, you can move him over. Um, I think they're going to go for the better one position guy than the better overall multiple position guy. And I think they go uh, Jawan Taylor. Yeah. That was my pick too. Well, it's it comes down to what they think of of Jonah Williams, but I think that Jawan Taylor is, and you have to imagine that they're going to try to stick with the Deion Dawkins experiment more or less. So, and I mean, if they hit on that, then I mean, their their bookend tackles are set because Jawan Taylor is going to give them what yep. they need on the right side. So, and we've mentioned this oh, yeah. before, and I got oh, yeah. some I got some emails about this. So let me clarify this. I'm not saying, or when we did Kevin's pick, we're not saying that. Jawan Taylor is going to be a left tackle, but he's got some skills that are left tackle esque. I think he has left tackle feet. I mean, there's and there's certain things that he possesses where it's not just what you expect from a right tackle. Usually, when guys are a little bit more plotting, I think people will look at them and say, like, okay, he's he's a, a road grader. He's definitely someone you want on the right side of the line. He's definitely somebody who can be that, but he's got some. He's got some left tackle qualities in his game. I think he's a right tackle at the next level, certainly. But, I mean, he's a gifted prospect athletically. So, okay. So, yeah, we're going to go Jawan Taylor. We're just going to – we're starting to agree on everything here, even though, like, this this is by no means chalk. So, we'll see if that no. that remains, no. though. So, let's go to selection number 10, and that's Denver. Yeah, this this is where it gets interesting. Um is this one for John or is it not for John? That's kind of what it comes down to. Um, <laughs> this one's so, for John. Yeah, I, that's that's definitely the best thing that the uh, Around the League podcast has ever put together there. Um, so credit to them on that, that joke. Um, but so does he take Drew Locke here, um, which is a big possibility, or do they – fortify the defense to try to make a push with Joe Flacco. Um, I think logic says they, they go defense, they make a good pick, they move on with their lives. Um, John Elway logic says, F it, let's take a quarterback and get wild. Um, I am going to play it not safe here because I've played it safe in my own mock. And I think they take drew lock here. Um, it's, it's one of those things where you, you just can't count out the, the John Elway factor. It's, you know, it makes sense. He's the kind of guy he would want, um, you know, four year starter sec, big arm, 
if that doesn't say John Elway, I don't know what does. Well, the John Elway factor up until late has been him not taking quarterbacks and then inexplicably trading up for Paxton Lynch. So the thing, the reason, and again, I agree, and I was going to make this this pick anyway. I'm going with Locke too. And the reason for it, Drew Locke is kind of built like John Elway. You know, he's got like that 6'3 frame, uh-huh. you know, that absolute like um, laser cannon arm. So like, and just like how he carries himself, how he's built and everything kind of reminds me even a little bit in his haircut, honestly, kind of reminds <laughs> me of John Elway. So I, I can see John being vain enough and being enough of an egomaniac to think like, hey, this guy's like a young me. This has to happen. So. All right. That's funny because you, you didn't want to play it safe. And yet I was sitting there waiting for that one, too. So here we are. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Well, the good news is, uh, for me, I still have Brian Burns on the board. I don't think Brian Burns. I don't think Brian Burns is going to make it past this pick. To be quite honest with you, I think that he's the kind of guy that Cincinnati needs bad, and they typically like um, guys built like Brian Burns. And I understand that. I mean, there are some difference here, differences here in terms of who's coaching the team now and whatnot. But I still think they're going to like those those. Um, long, angular pass rushers, and Brian Burns is definitely that. So I think that this is this is his um final stop. So for me, um, this one's tough because I'm not going to take Haskins here. Because to be 100 percent honest, I think I think Washington trades up and takes him. Um, I just think that's too too perfect of a scenario. But we're not doing that. Um, so just know I'm not passing on Haskins because I don't think he'd be a good fit here or he's not worth it here. I, I just think he's gone. Um, but we weren't bumping around in this one. So um, mm-hmm. with that said, uh, the guy that I think they go and take, who I still think is a little bit of a reach at this point. Um, I think his his team slash media value is greater than what his true value is. Um, but he's still a really good football player. I think they go and take Devin Bush to have a reliable linebacker that's not a complete a-hole. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, his uh, ascension past couple of months has been really impressive. Because it was almost like yeah, when he, it, when it, it all was... comes out of the combine, which is yucky. That's That's the worst part. Well, I think a lot of people struggled to place where he'd be at the next level so i mean like but that's the league is built on guys like that now you know that used to be like a fun a fun thing to get a guy where it's almost like hey this guy guy's a linebacker but he's safety size or you know this guy's a defensive this guy's a linebacker but he's a defensive end side you know these these guys who don't really exist in one space and i think i like devin bush i'm not a big fan of michigan football obviously but um he gets my seal of approval so all right this is um the penultimate pick here green bay at 12 yeah so so for green bay i think i think what they do at 12 hinges on where the first tight end goes and i assume that first tight end is going to be tj um and if tj goes top 10 with fant still on the board for me i think they have they still have jimmy g um, but I I don't think 
he's in their plans long term. I think he's going to be a June one kind of cut. Um, they have Mercedes Lewis, which like God bless Mercedes Lewis for surviving in the league this long. Um, coming out of UCLA, like he was the slowest, like ploppy tight end I've ever seen in my life. But the man made a career, so a hundred percent credit to him. Um, but the problem is, is that Green Bay doesn't have a slot guy. Green Bay doesn't have a good tight end. So instead of investing in one or the other, why not just get both? Um, so they go out, they get their own Evan Ingram, and they're going to do all the same things. Play him in the slot, play him outside on certain plays, you know, play him traditionally lined up, move him around in the backfield. Um, he's a guy with enough athleticism that you can just cut him loose and let him do his thing. Yeah, I'm struggling. Oh, just while I'm sitting here trying to figure this one out, Mercedes Lewis, I think, is the last man standing from that 2006 class. Oh, um, I think he I is. Look, but that that sounds right. It feels right, to be honest. Yeah, there were a couple of guys left in there, but I think he, um, I think he's the last guy. So good for him. God, this is a tough pick. This is this comes down to a couple of people. I think they really need to upgrade the offensive line, which is funny because Green Bay's made a living out of finding their guys um, day two, day three, usually day three. Um, I'm going to go with Jonah Williams, though. I think Andre Dillard's probably an option here, too, but I think um, given the team's makeup and what they look for in the offensive line, I think Jonah Williams is probably going to be their guy. So, Yeah, and I mean, he he has that Green Bay feel. Um, at the end of the day, and and the nice thing is they can play him inside, and then both of their their offensive tackles are hitting that point where they're aging a little bit. I don't think their play is dipped that much, but from a finance standpoint, and that they're aging, you make that call next year. And if if you move on from a guy, we've seen him do it before with uh, Lang and uh, Sitton, so would not mm-hmm. be a shocker to see him do it again. Yeah, think about all the times they've replaced their their center position. Or like Scott Wells yeah. is a, a pro bowler and they traded him or I let him go. I forget one of the two. And then they had like Jeff Saturday for a little bit on the cheap. And then they ended yep. up like and then JC Treader kind of ascended through the ranks and then they let him go. I mean, it's just I don't even know who their guy is at that Don Barkley or I don't even know who their guy in, is at that position right now. Barkley might be a guard. No clue. Um, all right. So last but not least, and the reason we're here. The Miami Dolphins at pick number 13. Lucky number 13, for me at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, to, to preface this one, Haskins is gone, gone for you in your mock. Is. Haskins, in, in my mind, is gone for me. Um, so I don't think that's a consideration. Um, and if anybody, if they even think about taking Daniel Jones here, I'll I'll probably just kill myself. So I'm not going to take Daniel Jones. Um, <laughs> I would say that this pick would probably be tougher. It kind of comes down to three defensive linemen guys at this point. Um, I think it comes down to Cleveland Farrell, Christian Wilkins, Montez Sweat. I think Montez Sweat will slide a little um, unless a team has really done a lot of work like the Tunsil stuff and has conviction that he'll be fine. Um, I still think Montez Sweat doesn't necessarily have as much bend as you'd like to see from a defensive end, um, but he's got length and he's got athleticism. So he's, he's in consideration for sure. 
Uh, Cleela Farrell, same thing, long. I think he's one of the safest picks in the draft. I think he's a guy that most years will get you seven, eight sacks. And then, you know, three or four years out of his career, he's going to get you 12 to 15. Um, he's He holds up in against a run. Uh, he's not the best. He's not the worst. Um, he's good. But I, I just could not pass on Christian Wilkins at this point. It may not be the sexiest pick. Um, it's kind of actually becoming a little bit of the consensus pick here. But he's just a really good three-tech defensive tackle who has really mastered the 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 pole swim um and just beats guys off the line consistently um and he's he's a nightmare in both the run game and pushing the pocket from the face pressure there um which we talk about all the time that's one of the biggest things that the dolphins always need um and more than anything he's a good dude off the field you know he he won essentially their the college walter peyton man of the year award um i was listening to an interview where he went and assistant was an assistant teacher at a, an elementary school for a day. Like he's just a good dude. And I think all those pieces line up exactly to what Brian Flores wants at this point. The reason it's, a, it's the consensus pick is because it's the right pick. In my opinion, I think Christian Wilkins is absolutely who they need to take at that spot. And it's a big step toward rebuilding the defensive line. Cause it's in tatters right now. And I mean, he's the, he seems like a Brian Flores kind of guy. So um, and it's kind of funny to think that with all the talent in this year's draft, he's at times, it seemed like he wasn't getting a lot of attention, especially when he was on the cusp of coming out last year. Yep. So all that aside, unbelievable talent would be a huge get for the dolphins at a position like they just sorely need to reboot. So it just works for everyone. They get a great guy off the field. They get a proven leader and it, goes a long way toward building up those defensive trenches. So For sure, for sure. And, and I mean, I think there's a chance that everybody's lower on him than actual teams are. And I think there's a chance that he's gone in the first eight picks, nine picks, something like that. Um, doesn't even get out of the top ten. Well, to that point, he seems like a guy who could go to, like, New York. You know, yeah, like, he's, he's, for sure. he's definitely Giants material. Um, just based on if, well, depending on if you're looking to um, sort of augment the culture, if you will, or if you're looking to like get dudes in there who are as good off the field as they are on. I mean, yep. there, there, there's just a slew of teams in here where I'm like, yeah, he could go there, he could go there. So hopefully that's not the case, though, because I think yeah. that it's pretty much hand in glove in terms of how badly the need, the, how badly the Dolphins need someone like Christian Wilkins and what he can do for them. So for sure. For sure. All right. Well, we went over our allotted time a little bit. We always do that. It's like not a real show if we don't go over our time. So 45 minutes, that's not too bad. This has been our uh, kind of uh, quasi mock draft where we just sit here and get to listen to ourselves talk and try to impress ourselves. <clears throat> so I don't know about you. I am impressed, especially because yes. just with everything going on this year, I'm not really impressed. But with everything going on this year, it's been tough to track this this draft i don't know if you feel that way but it's been yeah it's been hard to keep a grasp on everything going on it's because there's not all those sexy skill players you know i feel like that makes a draft so much easier and and there's not those true left tackles yeah that's true at that point because at that point usually it's like all right we got 
two to, to three quarterbacks definitely go in top 10. And then we got at least two left tackles go in top 10. And then we'll get two or three edge guys in there. And there's your top 10. You know, we get one random other player in there. And we're, we're moving on to the, you know, 11 through 20 picks. Right. Yeah, I'm good with my picks. Although I agree with you. I think Daniel Snyder is going to throw a total wrench in everything we just mentioned. Oh. But that's okay. Um, we can't we can't control that. What we can control is that this is it for this show. This is I Hate the Fins. This is episode number 23, I believe, if you're not counting last week's show in which we did Kevin Nogle's mock draft. He's the the Finsider uh, site manager. He picked Jawan Taylor at that spot. I don't think Jawan Taylor's going to make it that far, but that would be pretty cool if he did. So for Zach, my name is Keith. Uh, enjoy the weekend festivities. The draft is in Nashville. Starts tomorrow night. You- Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode came from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Last year, you may have made some smart decisions, and you may have made some not-so-smart decisions, like going all in on that one crypto exchange. The good news is making smart financial decisions is easier than you think. SmartWallet's Smart Money Podcast has the weekly know-how you need to get ahead. Sean and Sarah, the hosts of Smart Money, break down the latest financial news and give you honest, objective money advice. Subscribe to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.